What's up, everybody? Yeah. Order is here. The madness is here. The MVP conversation is here. Bronny James is not here. <laughs> he doesn't make the sports reports his order mock draft. You know, for y'all, y'all out there, but let's get the business. <clears throat> yes. You are now listening to the sounds. Sports reports is ordered. And I have with me the one and only, the even killed, Virginia born, representing New Jerusalem, representing the Air Force as the number one advocate and company man, <laughs> dedicated father, retired vet. He is. Mr. Logical. Dedicated, decorated war vet. Let's go. Yes, sir. And I am 13 deployment strong. Woo! You know what I'm saying? Keeping up with these stats, and I'm still not bringing feelings to a fat fight. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because I got enough facts to hold it down. I am 25. And what we're going to do, we're going to start this off with a little thing called Get It Off My Chest. I'm going to go first. Mr. Logic is going to hit cleanup. And then we're going to get into some combine talk. And we're going to get into some MVP discussion. It's going to be so, great. Another great show, as always. So, I'm going to mix a little bit. My Get It Off My Chest. I'm going to do a little two-in-one real quick. So. I've been going to war with these LeBron James fans since about 2005. I'm not going to call y'all that name, and you know what name I'm talking about because that's disrespectful, and I ain't going to do that. But, you know what I'm saying? One thing that LeBron fans have told me since 2005, or at least since 2012 when it came out, is keep that same energy. And what I've learned about keep that same energy, it's that it's sometimey, you know, saying it's very situational based. So when you make a prediction, because a lot of these people don't have a podcast, they make a prediction and they get to hide. Correct. You know, saying? some of us make our predictions and we're right here standing in the fire. So LeBron decided to play pro prognosticator. And say that his son could play for the Lakers right now. His son could be in the league right now. And he's going to hold it down. And he's going to stick around. Even if he's 45, however long it takes Bronny to get there, he's going to be there. And I'm like, can I tell you something, Mr. James? Your son isn't better than Isaiah Collier right now. Your son isn't better than DJ Wagner right now. Your son isn't better than Reed Shepard right now. And that's not a diss. It's just a fact. So when you come back after the fact and he falls out of mock drafts, it turns into, well, can he just be a kid? No. No. You messed that up. He was already your kid, already in the spotlight, and somehow your old ass still ain't learned that your words have power. People hang on to everything that you say. Whether it's right or wrong, they blow it up for no reason at all. 
So regardless of how you feel about your son, and I'm glad that you represent your son, more fathers should represent their son in this way. True indeed. But you got to understand what comes with this when you say washed king. Oh, I want y'all to hate on my squad or whatever you said. And then we do it. And then y'all don't make the playoffs. You got to answer for that. So keep that same energy. But I'm going to give you credit at the same time because you wiped away a 21-point lead in eight minutes against the team that nobody trusts. The one time, the one time the Clippers have a full complimentary team that should make a finals run, there's some people that think that they will. You know, I'm not one of them. You know what I'm saying? Maybe Western Conference Finals at best, but definitely not NBA Finals. But the point being is that y'all had me for a minute. I was <laughs> on board for a minute. And then there's an old saying that came true last night. Clippers gone Clipper. <laughs> That's bananas. I mean... I feel what you're saying about your response to LeBron, but it was really nothing that he or Bronny could really do because his name is LeBron James Jr. Like he changed his name to Bronny, but LeBron's at every game. Like a supportive parent should be. Yeah, we just get mom. a better nickname at some point too. I'm I mean, Bronny. That's that's sometimes most nicknames are simple, and that's that's, that's like all my you favorite really need. paper towel or something. Hey, listen, you might get a deal out of it. You might get a little NIL deal. Uh, I can see what LeBron's saying because, like, I mean, if you think about it, if you look around the NBA, and, you, and we've heard interviews, like I said, I bring up Jeff Teague all the time. Carmelo has an interview or a little podcast now uh, with J.J. Redick, three man, uh, old man in the three. Then you got the knuckleheads. So you have a lot of guys coming on podcasts talking about there's guys in the league that don't put forth the effort to be good in the league. Mm -hmm. Some of those guys probably were on LeBron's team or, or just in his, 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 uh, let me try and think around people that he trusts in his inner circle of basketball. That says, you know, like Draymond Draymond is a big fan or business. You know, they do share business or whatever. And he's probably sounding like, yo, there's some couple of dudes on Golden State that just don't care. And they're probably telling him, like, yo, Bronny could probably beat this guy out for minutes. And another conversation with Chris Paul when he was on Phoenix. Like, yo, like watching Bronny work out in the gym. Yo, I bet you Bronny can take minutes away from campaign or whatever the case may be. So when he puts that information out there, I don't think he's being facetious. I think he was being realistic based on information. No, no, he had. he's not being facetious at all. But you don't think you just gotta <laughs> get pushback that comes back with it when it when it. Yeah, when, but when the, the dude the, is averaging five points, like like I told you when we were having the pre meeting, if Luca came out here and was like, "Yo, I played against this dude in Euro League," he would come to the NBA right now, start for every team. You know, he would average. You know, whatever. Like, you know, just say all this stuff. And then we pull up the stats. And then this man was averaging like four and a half points. We would be like, Luca, shut up. But since it's LeBron, yeah, it's like Brandon Jennings no, averaging like don't 10 points that. when he went to Italy. 
Brandon Jennings, when he went to Italy out of high school, when he was supposed to go to Arizona, he went to Italy. He was averaging like 10 points when they drafted him after Steph. So it's like, I yeah, guess the points on everything. In an NBA game. Yeah. So, like I said, I think that he That's probably That's not what really I said, Residente. It, it See, probably is exactly what I'm talking about. What Residente just did. That's exactly what I'm talking about right there. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about right there. I because, mean, because if LeBron, because LeBron was out here, is that statement is is there any is there any evidence to support that that statement wasn't a a bad bragging about his no, son saying I, no, I that told people you, in I'm his fine league. with that. I'm fine with that. My comment is my, my my thing wasn't even about LeBron. It's about the other people that that are basically like, why y'all hating on Bron? Bron can't do nothing, and it's like no. Keep that but same energy. This is what but he that's said. The if he was it's, averaging, it's, if Bronny was averaging seventeen right now, the whole statement of the whole statement. We would the hear whole all about of that. Keep that same energy is a deliberate, is a deliberate desire to lack context. So that's why I never say that. Like I don't say keep that same energy because like I get it. You're going to get that energy back, whatever the case may be. But a lot of it is a lack of context. So when he said, hey, I think my son can be out most of these guys in the league, he probably was really saying, like, yo, I can see a lot of lazy guys in the league. But Kobe that ain't what he about said. It. That ain't what he but, said. He okay, said every, he everything. Said but we infer right now. And if I'm he didn't say Lakers. Him, he didn't yes, say he Lakers. Did. Yes, he, he did. He didn't say Lakers. Yes, no, he, he didn't. Did. He said he could play in the league right now. Okay. He said he could play in the league right now. Which is probably true, considering that the statements that we get from other players is that a lot of guys are just tall and play basketball. I mean, yeah, he could come off the bench and get you two point three. Yeah, that's all he said. And you know that ain't what he meant. I think it, whatever whatever his statement is, like I said, I, I don't want to infer that ain't too much what he meant, LeBron fan. I'm pretty. It's not even about being a LeBron fan. It's about me not being such a. Uh, if we, any, if we were talking about any, if we were talking about anybody else, if we were talking no, about anybody even else, LeVar, the even LeVar, even LeVar, conversation would be different. Yo, okay, okay, here we go. Jordan Kelly, even LeVar was talking. We talked about him, not his boys. I get it. Like I, his boys was only balling. reason. The only reason is to get off. Is to get it off my chest. Topic on our show is because it's one of the most polarizing players in sports. So I understand what you I, I I get what you I'm not like I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you are, but in the same sense he's Shout allowed it's he's allowed to look at game. something a year after the previous statement. If he said it last Wednesday and then Bronny had a bad game Friday and then he tweeted out Saturday like yo let him be a kid. He said it a year ago before he was playing college ball. Keep that same energy when he was, doesn't when have he was optimistic. He doesn't have he probably, an expiration date. He, no, he probably was optimistic. Like, yo, my son's uh, going to go, go to UCLA. You know no, what I'm no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm not absolving him of it. I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that Bronny is not doing well because <laughs> of some system in UCLA, USC. I bet he really thought that looking at his kid my kid's going to be a beast when he gets to college and that hasn't transferred over. But before he got there, he probably thought like, Oh, Bronny's, I think Bronny can play in the league right now. So when he goes to USC, he's going to be a beast. And when it doesn't happen, he has to reevaluate. I think he should stop talking so much because then that's a lot of the conversations derived from him bringing it up. 
I don't think people. I think people would have said whatever about him. But like in the same sense, no, he has to, be, to take to off fair, his, though, his NBA be, player hat and put on his dad hat. Like, yo, lay off my son. I get that I attract attention. I get to, that. To be I fair, I do think that Bronny will play in the league. I think that Bronny will develop and can play in the league. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I, I don't I saw, think he's gonna be like a Thanasis Antetokounmpo kind of saw, selection saw, where he just uh, plays because his brother's in the league. I he'll probably be a lot like Seth Curry. He'll be like I, Seth Curry, where he'll just kind of of Avery in the Bradley. I saw Avery Avery Bradley as the comparison. So you know, like like I'm all, so I'm all for LeBron bigging up his son, all that kind of stuff like that. You know, proud father that I am. You supposed to do that. You know, so I'm just saying that once you do that. You can't pull back and be like, yes, yo, let him get be. different information. You pull back if you realize that. No, no, but what you can't do, I, he, thought, can't he do. thought he was going to be the shit last year. He probably no, really thought say, he was going to be, he no, probably you, thought his son say, was going to be Gatorade player of the year last year. No, he this is what you say. No, he this probably what you legitimately say. thought, you hold say, on, real quick, real quick, Bronny, real quick. Hold you on, say hold on. my son had an unfortunate situation. Nah, you don't make it. Yes, you do. You say before the season started, my son had whatever. He's gonna come, like he's gonna develop. He's gonna and, come, and you just leave it at the, that. You don't the state, do the whole. Then the com- Let him no, be a kid. No, you, listen. You know, what the saying you're the one that grew him no up. No matter, no matter what he said is gonna be a conversation. He could have literally said Nike didn't deliver the shoes that I was expecting from Portland to use to LA and that's why they had a bad game and the whole pundit conversation world would have been oh you need your dad's shoes to play a good game no yeah, matter what LeBron says that no matter what he says is going to be construed anyway 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 you know saying <laughs> get your get your get it off my chest off I'm just saying like we, we yeah. don't got to spend a half hour on this we can talk <laughs> about this forever but in the same sense, it's all about, like you said, keep that same energy. It's a statement. I, I, it's, it's one of those. I, like, some of these news phrases that these kids come up with, I just like it makes a new gray hair pop in my beard. <laughs> but I'm gonna use it since that's the flow of our of our conversation today. My dude, my, Miami. Keep that same energy when it comes to uh, Joe Shane, however you say his name, is a GM of New York Giants. He made some mistakes last year, similar to the guy we were just talking about. Things occurred, and as the facts <laughs> change, so does his opinion. So, after last season, the facts were in their mind this guy, Daniel Jones, number eight, is going to lead us, and this other guy, two six, Saquon Barkley, is going to be an ancillary piece to that. So, we're going to pay the leader. And we're going to try to get the best deal for the team for Saquon Barkley. And what ended up happening was that Daniel Jones did what he did. Like he is a, I thought he was, I thought he played like a top 10 quarterback. I didn't think he was a top 10 talent. I just thought based off of the metrics that we had from last season, he measured in the top 10. I don't think that he reads defenses better than Kirk Cousins. I don't think he runs the ball better than Trevor Lawrence or anything like that. I just thought, like, based off the numbers, the 700-plus rushing yards, and I believe it was – I think he had somewhere over, like, 31, 3,200 passing yards. He totaled around mid-20s touchdowns, low turnovers, low interceptions. I'm like, okay, based off the numbers, he was between 9 and 11. You said you would give him 11. 
you said you'd give him between like 11 and 12 based off the numbers, strictly the numbers, not talent, anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> unfortunately, as those facts that they use based off the, the argument I made that was top 10, they paid him like a top 10 guy. Well, now Saquon somehow altered the deal to where they didn't, they took the franchise off last year. Now they're going to have a regular deal. So at the combine, they asked Joe Shane about it. And one of the statements that really stood out to me is something that, uh, that happens a lot with these young players. And I'm not sure if it's just, I don't want to make it a black white thing, but I know a lot of black players when they don't have an agent, that's a big deal for some reason. I don't know if, I don't know if Kelsey doesn't have an agent, you know, Jason or Travis. I don't know if Trevor Lawrence doesn't have an agent or if it's a family lawyer. I don't really get that information. But when Vince Young didn't have an agent, it was a big deal that there was a topic of conversation that it was his uncle or a family friend that was making mm-hmm. calls. Lamar. Taylor, Lamar didn't have an agent. That was a big deal because, oh, you need an agent to, to, to filter the bad news that the team gives you. When now Caleb Williams going to the combine, a conversation we're going to get into later, he doesn't have an agent listed on his list that goes out to the combine and all the pundits who follow the from NFL Network and different you know different channels and different you know platforms and podcasts. He doesn't have one. Joe Shane said a statement that let me think that it's probably a good idea that these guys don't have agents because last year I'm paraphrasing. He said that. Last year, Saquon Barkley didn't un- didn't understand how the market worked for his position, and we hopefully that he can we can come to a mutual understanding about where he is in the market and where we are, and we can come to some kind of agreement. Last year, he was working with a different agent. This year, he's working with an agent that we have a good relationship with. So that was a statement from that's that's for written. We have a good relationship with. Not he has a good relationship with that agent, him, he being Saquon Barkley. We being the Giants have a good relationship with the agent that's now working with Saquon Barkley. And he said, hopefully he can help him see what the market is. So I understand why guys don't have agents because literally the GM who hasn't solidified a deal in Three years with Saquon because they had a they had a negotiation. Excuse me. Excuse that was me. probably by design. <laughs> they had a new agent. They had a new. They had a conversation in 2022 that fell apart. That another one in 2023 that we all heard about, and now we're having this next conversation in 2024. But now they feel confident because they have a guy that they have a good relationship with. So, I understand that there's a. The business side, you got to get the lawyers, you got to read this and read that. If you think about Kyler Murray, a good agent or lawyer is someone who's really working in his best interest would not even allow Arizona to put the iPad gaming clause hourly expectation in the contract. If it's standard, then okay, it is what it is. If it's standard that you need to work out 50 hours a week outside of the team, as a quarterback or standard that you need to weigh this much. If that's a standard thing in all quarterback contracts of that kind of elk, that starting quarterback, when he's 32 starters who are getting 
for 30, 40, 50 million dollars. If it's standard that the language in that contract is you need to weigh this much, you need to work out this many hours, then it is what it is. But if it's not standard for them to outline how many hours you have to study, a good lawyer, a good agent wouldn't allow the team to put that in there because it's only in there to look bad for you. So hopefully Saquon looks at this this podcast because it's in his region. Shout out to me. I mean, they're only they're right up the street in East Rutherford. So hopefully somebody gets it in his ear. Like, listen, Saquon, don't listen to what your team is talking about because they're already they already got a person in place that's going to turn your head towards what they want, not what you want. So for that's sure, I get off my chest for sure. And shout out to Brandon Jacobs, you know, shout out to uh, Nick Chubb. Hopefully he comes back this season. But remember, he was the one on the phone call trying to galvanize the troops and then. You know, the next day Saquon took the deal, and it was just like, "Come on!" They man. all took bad deals. Austin yeah. Eckler took a bad deal, and then and then these teams and then these GMs go to the podium. Like, who went to the podium? I think was it Harbaugh, and says some along the lines, "Can you?" No, no, no. It was a uh, Greg Roman said, "Can you imagine what Justin Herbert will look like with a good running game?" As if Austin Eckler was there. Austin Eckler isn't a touchdown machine. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah, get out of here with that shit, you know what I'm saying? But, hey, the combine is going on. You know, it's been a long week. Quarterbacks coming out tomorrow morning to toss the ball around, including the one and only national championship quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. So, Mr. Logical. I'm listening. What is the value of the combine? I think the combine is valuable in a sense that if you are a fourth to fourth round undrafted, because I think they invite somewhere around like 200 to 300 total players to the combine. So if you're one of those guys that could potentially go undrafted or fifth to sixth round, I think an 11 foot broad jump and a four, three, eight, 40 could definitely get you locked in the fifth to sixth round versus going undrafted. Cause if you think about like, I think B. John Robinson ran like a four, four, five, four, four, eight, something along those lines last year. That's not, Remarkably fast. I think Montez Sweat ran a 4-4-1. He's defensive lineman. And DJ Moore ran a 4-4-2. So it was like the top running back, they already pegged him as the top running back. I think Patrick Mahomes ran a 4-8. Andrew Luck ran faster than Cam Newton. So once if you're already one of these guys that's going to be one of your first, you know, 96 picks in the draft and you're at the Combine, Maybe you can go from 92 to 78, maybe 80. But if you're one of these guys that no one has an idea really where you belong, because they just give fourth, fifth, and sixth, seventh round grades on guys just just to give them a grade, just to sound smart on TV. Because no one knows about this defensive back from Weber State. Talking about Taron Johnson, when he got hit in the head when he was doing a little drill and he got hit in the face. They said it dropped his stock. Well, his stock was dropped because he came out of Weaver State out of Ogden, Utah. But this year, he's second team All-Pro. 
It's just a matter of like you get there, you make some kind of impression, you get to have a conversation, you get to show your personality for 15 minutes with every team. But if you're one of these top guys, like Caleb Williams cannot throw and not do an interview and still probably go number one. Yeah, I look at the combine as like speed dating. You exactly. Know, I heard that's a, just, you're the second person this week that said that. It's, it's a good opportunity to just get around people, network, kind of see, you know, like, is this guy, you know, snap judgment. Is he mature? You know, especially if it's quarterback, you know, what's his personality like? Um, is he frustrated? Is he easily frustrated? How does he respond to being frustrated? So that's how does he stuff. how does he look and how does he look in a hoodie? Like is he is he as big right. as we think on tape? Is he bigger? Is he like but, when you saw Bryce Young last year, you had to know he was 5'9, 195. But speaking of uh since you brought up Weaver State and you brought up people that were unknown, shout out to Ryan Flornoy. You know, he's a six foot six, two hundred five pound wide receiver who ran devilishly fast at a 6.66 on the L drill, which is only 0.9 worse than Jackson Smith and Jigba ran it last year at a 6.57, who's all a six foot and allegedly 197 pounds. So, you know, he, this is a guy who had no division one offers. So he may, you know, saying get picked up somewhere where he was unheard of coming into this week. So for him, the combine is everything. But then you Correct. got people like RG3 and Anthony Richardson who are quarterbacks, but they fly everywhere. And Anthony Richardson jumps everywhere, but apparently they don't know how to slide. So, you know, if you're gonna if you're not gonna practice sliding at the combine, it wasn't for RG3 anyway. I you played know? baseball as a six-year-old. I knew how to slide in second base. So, you know, people talk about 40 times. You know, so so my guy Brandon Fisk out of Florida State, you know, defensive tackle ran a 4.78, you know what I'm saying? But you know, that's what's up. But anyway, we got a guy who ran a 4.71. Best wide receiver in NFL history. Um, Chris Carter, 4.6. Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden, both 4.7, and they were on the same team. You know, then you had uh Matt Jones, 6'6. 242 specimen played quarterback at Arkansas in college ran a 437 39 and a half vertical put him at wide receiver he played four seasons you know uh Darius Hayward Bay you know one of my Maryland Terps Oakland you know saying the Raiders reached on him I believe at number seven and you know he played 10 years. So that's awesome. He had 16 touchdowns. <laughs> so, so the con, so I say that to say, you know, um, the combine has its value, as you said, for people that are on the fringe. But I think at that point, if I'm a sixth rounder, seventh rounder, I might also, I might rather go undrafted just for the fact that you can pick your team and go to the camp. You well, they say that, but in that same sense, going going undrafted, there's no incentive for the team to kind of keep you around. And I mean, like you can just kind of get put on a practice squad 
we all well, seen I mean, that I, famous I feel that way about that, remember, remember, rounders too. Remember that hard knock clip of uh was it was like Corey Coleman? Come on, Corey, come on, Corey, when he got <laughs> traded. Yeah. It's like if you are in that position and you are undrafted, you're a seven round pick. How many times can you run that post route incorrectly before you are you going to get four shots at it? You get five or they're going to yank you and you're not going to get back on the field because football really is it's such a mental thing. And it's, it's, it should be they always say only the strong survive, but you really should be cultivating every player that you have on the team. Like every player on the team should feel like you want them to succeed there. Right. But for some reason, if you watch Hard Knocks, if you kind of see like you hear the interviews, what Matt Eberflew said today uh, about we want a quarterback that can make good decisions in the fourth quarter, toughness, uh, decision making, yada, yada, yada. All the things that Justin Fields has been getting knocked for, like that's what he said today when it's like you guys are holding on to a number one pick, you can trade him. So it's like, are you really galvanizing a team, a player? It's like, yo, we support you once you're around. If you're undrafted or a six or seven round guy, you don't really have that many shots. The combine is the place where you can get your shots because you can do your, you can work as hard as you can at the combine. You can prep for the interviews. And then if you're from a college, if you're from a college that has a real pro day, like I talked about you with the lieutenant that I worked with at Hill, he went to Utah's, he graduated from Air Force Academy, Canada Air Force, and then he went to Utah's pro day. To, to do all of his drills and end up getting drafted by the Eagles. But if you don't have like that division one school, that's going to let you in. Like if you are from mountain union in like Ohio, you're division three guy, you might not have a pro day. So the combine is what you have and you right. have to showcase it. The top guys, it's almost, it's not even really for show because they're going to get so many other shows. You're going to get hey rookie. You're going to follow them around. They're going to put themselves on Instagram uh, their quarterback coach is going to have an Instagram page, Instagram stories. NFL Network is going to do a story on them. ESPN is going to follow them around. CBS Sports is going to follow them around. Fox Sports. So it's like they don't even have to put together their own pre-draft, you know, memories because all these other channels are going to follow them. They're going to follow Caleb Williams. They're going to follow Drake May. They're going to follow Jay Daniels. They've probably been following them since the bowl season started. So, so some of these guys are already gonna get their gonna get their cut. Is just I think some guys can climb. Uh, like Dion talked about, uh, what's the boy name? Uh, for Washington, the the white safety that was running, and Dion's like, oh, he can run, run. <laughs> uh, Troy, Troy, Pocky, something like that. Forgot who he was, but Dion was like, oh, he can run, run. They were like, why are you surprised about that? He's like, you know why I'm surprised. <laughs> He ran well, like a four thinking, three something and got drafted as a safety for the I think at that time they were the Redskins. Well, you know, I got an idea. You know, I got two ideas. Neither one of them would ever happen. So I already know that before anybody says which one's that. more likely. Which one do you think is more neither likely? Neither one is likely. Neither at one, all. neither one is likely, one is at, likely all. at all. Yeah, this this is straight up two five right here. Right. I'm gonna so, argue for one of them though. So, so the first myself. thought, so the first thought I had. Um, you know, they make it about the skill positions. You know, we want to see these quarterbacks throw. So here's a two-five idea. Back when we were little kids playing tag, you had the all-time quarterback. 
So, you know, throw, say, J.J. McCarthy out there trying to show off. Throw Michael Pratt out there who's, you know, a projected third-round pick or so. Put him across from Marvin Harrison or beside Marvin Harrison. Have Kool-Aid McKinstry or Terion Arnold across from him. Let's see you complete this pass. Oh, like a seven-on-seven Sort of. of. Like, yeah, instead of you just throwing to a wide-open dude that's running routes, how about we put a corner out here? You know, like, if I'm somebody like, say, um, oh, I lost his name, the guy from Penn State, defensive back, uh, Kalen King. If I'm Kalen King, let me go up against Malik Neighbors real quick. Let me show so, you what I can like, do. You just, you just call a guy out, like practice. You know, like, like not necessarily. Like, I mean, it would obviously have to be like voluntary. But you know, you uh, get names of people that would be interested in doing it, and you just draw them out. You know, one bucket for wide receivers, one bucket for corners. You just pull it out, pull out the quarterback, and and that way you break up the monotony of. I think they do that. In these pre-draft bowl, like the Shrine East-West Bowl, yeah, in the Shrine. But but I'm talking the about at Senior the Combine. Bowl. You know what I the mean? Combine. Like, the Combine is so infiltrated with like agents and people who are trying to like mold and curate and cultivate a future for their player. Right. The last thing you want is your top-rated, not even your top-rated, your middle-round corner, your third or fourth-round corner. To bite on a go route or to bite on a, a a sluggo, and now he's now he's a meme, right? And Marvin Harrison's running right past him, and he's holding on to the back of that no bull jersey. Well, I didn't even know what no bull was. I'm like, well, I haven't unarmed it, but like <laughs> now he's just grabbing onto that, and that's the meme. So now your client that you're trying to get, you know, a deal here in the next sixty days is forever immortalized being burned by it's like that picture you say boat when he was coming across the finish line and everybody looked like they're struggling for their life and he's smiling like this <laughs> you don't want to be those other seven dudes well the other idea was i guess sort of a mini game more of a seven on seven style where and i guess um like residente said this would probably be better for like a pro day but uh but you know but like have like a seven on seven of like the lowest rated people at the combine. So whoever is like the lowest projected of the people at the combine, because now you're giving them an opportunity. You can have this seven on seven slash mini game where just watch them, see who stands out to you. Yeah. See who stands out to you. See if there's anybody that maybe you had them as like a fifth round pick. You know, but in this particular matchup, he's flying all over the screen. Like Malcolm Butler. He makes probably one of the greatest interceptions in the history of the Super Bowl. Yeah. But I'm just trying to make the combine exciting. You know what I mean? Like I understand the film is always gonna you would think the film should reign supreme because I'm watching you, especially if you're you know, somebody like Kool-Aid McKinstry or Tyrion Allen, who played corner at Alabama, I have video of you against Malik Neighbors, against Brian Thomas, against Georgia, 
you know, against Tennessee's offense. So I have that film to see you. But obviously the combine is a thing, and I don't think it's going anywhere. So I'm just trying to think of ways to – because I don't watch the combine. I might check out the quarterbacks tomorrow just because I want to see J.J. McCarthy. You know, so I might check J.J. McCarthy, and I might just watch highlights on YouTube or something. I used to watch I – like I like the 40 when something unexpected happens. When Jordan Davis runs a 4-8 and he's 375 pounds or whatever whatever he was playing at, 330 or something like that. Uh, when Patrick Mahomes runs a 4-8-8, you know, like something that's kind of out of the norm. But the combine is, it is a, it's like a speakeasy. Right. I've been to a couple in New York where you walk in and it looks like just your regular ice cream shop. And then you walk up to the person scooping your ice cream. You give the code word. The side door opens, and it's just a whole nother event. The combine is it's it's a pre it's essentially a legal tampering window because you have all the agents, the GMs, the assistant GMs, the coaches, the assistant coaches, some owners, depending on how they you know how they love the spotlight versus they not love the spotlight. So now you have a lot of conversations about, for instance, Baker Mayfield. His agent is probably there representing a couple of guys who are, you know, trying to join the league. But he also gets to have conversations with, you know, Raheem Morris about their quarterback situation, what they're going to do. He gets Mm -hmm. to have conversations with Minnesota and find out what's Kirk Cousins' you know, healing process looking like he gets to have conversations with Justin Jefferson's agent about like, Hey, I think we can make this move and get him to Kansas. You know? So I think that's probably the bigger piece and in the credit to rich eyes. I want to, I want to make sure I didn't take credit for this for rich eyes and podcast. What we said was that a lot of the combine is to get the medical professionals in the building Right, and Caleb said that he's not doing that either, you know. But what you think about what uh Residente said here about uh that the making the combine excited? I don't think so. You don't think that would make it a little bit more uh what's the word? But that's the thing, I don't I'm not sure if if it's if it needs to be that. Because the combine, it's not like it's it's not like it's prime time. Then why air it? It you air it for the fans who like, for instance, NFL Network. The NFL season is a seven months season. Season having a network for a sports program that doesn't play a single game for forty five percent of the year doesn't seem very like beneficial. But they air it because we like to watch sports it's not all about it being entertaining it's about honestly it's just about access access to this information so we can have these conversations it's not to be entertaining if they had it on fox at 8 p.m every night of the week then yeah i need you to sell me on the combine but having it on just all day long these guys are running you and i would chime in because we're an avid sports fan 
Residente is going to chime in. Cups is going to chime in. Some guys in these random sports groups that are in, they're going to chime in. Guys who are diehard Eagles fans, Vikings fans, Seahawks fans, they're going to chime in. The idea isn't to sell the entertainment aspect of it. It's a matter of just providing another means to keep our brains attached to football. Right. Because I haven't watched much in much of the combat. I saw a couple, you know, some clips from interviews and things like that. But I'm thinking about it because I know how important the the, the construct of the event is. It's not a matter of like. <laughs> yeah. it's like that's what I'm saying. So it's like, do you if you know it's going to be aired, do you ask that question? Do you ask about uh, a potential? Yeah. We, we talked about this with colleges before. It's not just all criminal, but say a guy got a, say a guy was driving, you know, impaired on campus and it was essentially kind of handled in-house. A former LSU lawyer works, you know, alumni went to the police station, got this young guy out as a freshman from an alcohol related event. It was a fight at a, a frat house. You don't want to ask that guy that question, especially if the information didn't come out. You don't want that on TV because now that's going to be the narrative. You're trying to draft Jaden Daniels, but yet all of a sudden you hear about a fight that happened at a frat house two years ago, and he was there and he got pulled in for questioning. He couldn't. He, he had nothing to do with it. You don't. You don't ask that question if it's going to be on TV. You know what I mean? So like that, I think I think the entertainment part of it is I think it's a little overblown because I don't think it's designed to be entertaining. All right, so I think it's designed to just be a bridge to keep to keep us thinking about football. Yeah, so like I said, I'm just gonna watch probably some JJ McCarthy clips more so just to hear what they're saying about him while it's going on, you know. But um, yeah, the they're, gonna rash, they're, they're gonna justify and rationalize because we talked about it, we talked about it in our pre meeting. If we think about J.J. McCarthy's career in Michigan, I think he was 27-1, and one, I believe. Give me the game, aside from that final, those final couple of drives against Alabama, when Alabama basically just couldn't snap the ball back to the quarterback, where you think of a J.J. McCarthy drive or a J.J. McCarthy throw. I, I, that I, I that got, made a substantial difference in the outcome of a tough I got, game. I got two of them in the same game. Those pick sixes he threw against TCU in the playoff last year. His only <laughs> loss. That's that's what I remember about J.J. McCarthy when I think of him throwing the ball. You but know, yeah, because I, they you know, love they Harbaugh, they'll, they'll rationalize. Because they love Harbaugh, they will rationalize how good he or or in bloviate and inflate how. I good was he listening is. to um, Andy Staples today on on three, and he had someone on talking about the combine and they made the comment that JJ McCarthy made a throw against Washington in the national title game. That was so simple. He threw it to the right sideline, but that was the throw that showed that JJ uh, McCarthy is an NFL quarterback. So, you know, it's just, so it's like, it's just little things that obviously I'm not a scout. So, you know, so there's obviously things that these people see that I don't necessarily like to they me. They don't that, see it. They don't right. see it. They don't right. see it. They just they just take what they see and they they just try to they just they they inflate the value of it because I the 
what's the the the, the Alabama quarterback? I keep I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Jalen Milrow. Jalen Milrow. That throw against Auburn, right? That's one throw that we will remember. Crunch time, even though it's kind of partly his fault for missing a step before, whatever the case may be. But that throw, we can build on other throws if he plays two more seasons at Alabama. Mm-hmm. McCarthy doesn't have a single throw like that. Right. Maybe the Ohio State game, but it was like you had a guy wide open down the sideline over against cover two, and he just, he just put it in as a touchdown. I think he might have great poise, but the Michael Penix throw against Texas when it was he he threw, I think he looked off the safety and threw a post route for a touchdown to uh Dunze. to Rome, the oh, Dunes. Yeah. yeah. Like that's the throw I can remember. I watched some of these Michigan games. I don't recall McCarthy making that <laughs> kind of throw. Right. Yes, right. that, and, and but they'll they'll tell you that he can. They'll tell you that he has the NFL body. They'll tell you I told you somebody compared him to Andrew Luck. He weighs 205 pounds. 6'3", 205. That's what he's listed at. I don't know what to tell you. But moving on, yo, Cups, if you're still (laughs) watching, this is the part where you turn it off. Because I'm going to tell you why Jason Tatum is not the MVP. Now, now you remember, Mr. Logical, last year, I'm I was I was the only person, probably, that even had Jason Tatum in the top three, you know, of an MVP race. You know, I um, I actually picked him at the time that we had our conversation. I think actually, I had him third. Did I have actually, third? Actually, I don't remember where you had him, but but you know, yeah. but I know that at the time, I actually had him as my personal MVP leader. You know, okay. So when I'm looking around the league this season, Boston is obviously the best team by a country mile. Correct. You know, they they have a four-game lead over Minnesota for the best record in the league coming into tonight. They they have an eight-game lead, you know, in the East over the second seed. Correct. So this is what I think. Not this is not 2-5. This is what I think the media will do. If Boston wins, let's say, I think the magic number is 65. If they go 65-17 and 17 and they win the East by this margin that they have right now, eight or nine games, I think Jason Tatum will have a great chance to win the MVP. Yeah, because that will put them at nineteen and five over the next twenty four games. Yeah, that, and, that, and, yeah, that's that's pretty. That's a pretty tough number. Yeah, at that point, it would be the best player on the best team. You know, Correct. because when I look at Boston, you know, he has two other twenty point scorers on the team. You know, he has Captain Drew, who came in to solidify their defense and be the smart point guard that Marcus Smart could never be. You know, they got Derek White in there another year. The unicorn is in there, you know, and you're going to talk about him in a, in a second. You yeah, know, the, uni- the unicorn is in there. You know, so, so when I look at Boston, it's an embarrassment of riches. So whereas when I look at, say, Cleveland, who is second in the East, they have a guy by the name of Donovan Mitchell who – is averaging the same stats as Jason Tatum. 
for the most part. Same amount of points, you know, shooting a percentage better from three, so about the same three-point percentage, you know. And also, what he has that Jason Tatum doesn't have is that Cleveland this season is 17-7 and without Darius Garland, 16-7 and without um, Mobley, Evan Mobley. And most of that was together. Both of them were out at the same time. And somehow, Cleveland jumped up to the two seed. That is an MVP that is pulling your team up. You know, whereas Jason Tatum is just maintaining the steadiness of the talent that they have on that team. You know, uh, when I look at SGA, you know, I think that's an MVP. You know, averaging 31 points, leading the league in steals. You know, Oklahoma City, There, if you want to talk about the record thing, they came in tonight a half a game behind Minnesota for first in the West. You know, um, who is not an MVP? Luka Doncic is not an MVP. I love the numbers. And I the know the West. Are, the numbers the numbers are video game like. Yeah, I know, and I know the West is tough. I know the West is tough. You know, coming in tonight, they are the eight seed. Granite, granite. They're a half game out of fifth. You know, about four games out of fourth, I believe, if I remember correctly. So we'll check. revisit, we'll revisit that once Lucas Seed improves. You know, so if Dallas finishes. I say fourth or fifth, Luka Doncic could be your MVP. Yeah, they're 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 a half game out of fifth with uh yeah. Phoenix at five. Yeah. Phoenix, the Pelicans. Now this one has Maverick Kings, but I'm thinking maybe like it hasn't been updated because there's games that are currently yeah. going. So but last yeah. thing I'll say for right now, and I'll let you have it, is that Jokic cannot be my MVP. Because Jokic, you run into the same problem every year. He's always going to have numbers. He's always going to average near a triple-double or a triple-double. But this year, it doesn't look the same. Not because Denver's not first in the West or anything like that. But, you know, it's, instead of 27, 17, and 12, it's more like 14, 14, 11. So still a triple-double. You know what I mean? But you know, it just doesn't look the same. So when I was looking at the Kia ladder, you know, um, the first three or four weeks of the season, it was all Jokic, number one on the ladder. The eight weeks after that, it was all Embiid. And then the three weeks since Embiid's been hurt, it's all Jokic. You just voting for the same people because they're there. Uh, we, We're going to have this kind of... I think baseball is probably the only I'm gonna say the only because I'm not sure exactly how the, the, the nuance of the hockey, I believe it's the Con Smythe. Is that the league MVP or is that a different name? Uh, go ahead, keep I talking. Think, I think the Con Smythe might be like the playoff MVP. I, I wanna I wanna make sure I get it right. So if you keep looking at that for me, that'd be dope. I think yeah, NFL Heart Memorial Trophy. Heart Memorial, okay. And then a con smite is, I think, is either goalies or something, maybe the playoffs. Uh, but the NBA is the same as the college football rankings. You start off with a handful of candidates: Alabama, Georgia, Florida, 
Miami, Washington, whatever, whatever your five are. And then they'll those five get graded uh against that expectation. It's the same thing with the NBA MVP. Luca, Jokic, Embiid. Those are your top three guys because I think they've been the hot three. Oh, and, and Giannis. Giannis. Yeah. Giannis. So those four guys, you can sprinkle Tatum in, but Tatum is a second tier guy. Tatum is in that same bubble with your like if Harden got hot, right? Like this this current Harden, not old school Houston Harden, but like LA Clippers, you know, Harden. Uh, you get Donovan Mitchell, Halliburton, AD, Sabonis. Jalen Brunson? Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson might be that third tier. So it's like, there's like, I think there's like five players per tier, and you go, you go out to about 20. Mm-hmm. That, that, that have a real case because if you think about the 32 teams, like they're going to have, or 30 teams, you're going to have teams that have an MVP candidate like Luca who's sitting at eight. So you'll take the top seven or eight teams from East and West. You, you sprinkle a couple of teams here. Like you got Porzingis and Tatum from Boston because they have the best record. Porzingis right now on this that I'm using the basketballreference.com, they got him 10th. AD, even though L.A. isn't having a great season, I think L.A. is like they're like 32 and 28 right now. Puts them somewhere around like eighth or ninth in the West. But he's having a pretty good season. He's on the list because – you want AD on there. Like AD is a guy that you want in that top tier, but the record doesn't really match up. But you, you have want, him in that you have him in that conversation. I want who deserves to be there to be not there. They, but but we, we I'm talking about the preseason mm-hmm. eight to twelve names that they put out there. Luca doesn't play like an MVP. I don't think he makes the guys around him better. I just think that he plays so well. And when the guys around him just kind of step up, they win. That's why their record is so – that's why the record is what it is. You have a guy like – if you think about like the Wayne way back in the day, we talked about the championship run. He had an old Shaq. He had an old Gary Payton. I think Jason Williams. He had Antoine Chocolate, Walker, I want to say. Antoine Walker. So he had a bunch of veterans, but it was clear that he was the guy on top. Obviously, LeBron – um, Tim Duncan, they had a conglomerate of talent, but Tim was the focal point. And they just they were at 45 wins, 50 wins, 52 wins, 56 wins. Whereas Luca, Dallas is probably gonna finish this season 43 and 39, 44 and 38, realistically. If you had to think about it, like they're gonna be somewhere around that range where they're gonna be sixth, seventh in the West. But because he was put on that list of expectations of being MVP, he's going to be up there. But when you break it down, a lot of times it just might be something simple. It's like Jokic is just doing what he does. And they've already had him up in that upper echelon. And he doesn't have like Jamal Murray is a talent, but Jamal Murray has never really been linked as a a superstar. Mm -hmm. Whereas Giannis has Dame Lillard the expectations are high because you have that guy and Tatum has Jalen Brown, but Jalen Brown isn't as dynamic as Tatum, but he is a really good player. So I think that pulls votes away. So you're Donovan Mitchell. I think you're Donovan Mitchell being like your dark horse works. If he would have started out 
as six. As he was, if you if you picked your top five and he was your dark horse, then I think he could have crept in. Same thing with like Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson's numbers, Donovan Mitchell, SGA. These guys were if they would have started out in that early preseason sixth, seventh, eighth in that range, they could have jumped over Luca. They could have jumped over Giannis, but because. We got them at like 12, not we, but like the voting public seems mm-hmm. to have them at like 12. It's going to be tough for them to get up there. And, he, and what you're going to get it is, is a, if if MB play, if MB was capable of playing 65 games, it wouldn't even be a conversation. So, so, so if the so season ends today, who is Mr. Logical picking as the MVP? Uh, Thinking long and hard. I'm thinking. <laughs> like I said, I, I want to say Tatum, but I think Tatum is. Uh, I was trying to phrase it out yesterday. And I was I was trying to type it to you, but I couldn't get the words right. A victim of his own success. A victim of his own early success because all mm. those runs to the Eastern Conference Finals have created this expectation that his regular season doesn't matter because he has 52 postseason wins. We saw the post somebody shared in our group, and I've seen it on another page. That's more postseason wins than, like, Luka, SGA, and, like, somebody else out West combined. Yeah. You know, so I think he's just kind of a victim of his early success. So it would be hard to, to vote him MVP simply because of that. Even though I think – I think the last few years he has been in that conversation. I just thought Giannis, Giannis's numbers were just like Milwaukee went from just being a really, really good team and they were like on the edge and they were a number one seed, but they looked like a dominant team. The way Jokic had Denver looking for two years, All the right. way Embiid looked. So I, I would say if I had if I had to go, I would go chalk. I mean, I have to go Jokic just because it's like his, his impact on game. But SGA, SGA is really like that's an inspiring pick too. But like I said, it's just it's it's hard because you'll just be picking him because of the numbers. And if you're just picking someone off the numbers, you're like, well, why not Luca? Yeah, so, I mean, so for me, like last year, I was on board with Tatum being the MVP. You know. Um, when we had this conversation, obviously the way the season ended, I yeah. didn't feel that way. But the reason why I had Tatum last year is because he was flourishing in spite of Missoula. You know, but like I said, when I look at it this year, you added Drew, you added Porzingis, you know, Jalen Brown still averaging 22, 23 points a game. You your know, leadership so- made the your leadership made the game easier, so it's kind of hard to say you're an MVP when basically your team kind of got right. put in a position and where you're, you're just going to be better, and you're just now you're just consistent. Now, now, like the other thing, call this the LeBron rule, if you will. You know, obviously, one of the biggest things we take away from every NBA season is how the Lakers look when LeBron's on the for- floor and when he's off the floor. You know, when Boston, when Jason Tatum is off the floor, there's not a precipitous fall for the Celtics. 
You know, they're about the same. They're a little less, obviously, because he came off the floor. They're not but, minus 30 when he's off and right, plus they're not, 80 when he's on, yeah. Right. And you know what I'm saying? Whereas, like, take Giannis, for example, averaging 30 and 11. But half the season, we've been talking about how bad Milwaukee's defense is. You know, now, granted, in the last six games, you know, they've only given up the seventh most points per game. So definitely an improvement there. We'll see how the season ends. But we spent half the season talking about that side of the ball. You know, they fell behind Cleveland. So this is the official 2-5 ladder. Okay. The first annual 2-5 ladder. Here you go. Let me get my pen. Starting from number five. So I'm going to go backwards. So number five, Jalen Brunson. Number four, Giannis. Number three, Luca. Number two, Nicola. And number one, SGA. So SGA would be my MVP if the season ended today. Um, honorable mention. Donovan Mitchell. No, no well, yeah. The honorable mention would be Donovan Mitchell and Kawhi. You know, but I can't say Kawhi because when I look at the rest of his team, you know, it's kind of hard. I mean, he's obviously they're the stacked with they're, they're stacked with veteran talent, right? Exactly. So that's why yeah. I can't put him into the main conversation. You know, um, Donovan Mitchell. How was the bonus always in this MVP conversation? Because he usually because he usually has a lot of rebounds. You know, uh, he's usually like good for 19 and 13 or something along those lines. Yo, like literally 20 and 13. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he does. Like, you know what I mean? You know, but when I look at Donovan Mitchell, like I mentioned, his numbers match Tatum's. You know, they're they're about Steph's numbers. You know, he played 23 games without one of Mobley or um Garland and finished 10 games above 500. Now, if Jade, if Jason Tatum had gone 16 and seven in games without Jalen Brown, you would have to give him some, he would already be the MVP. It would be, it would be like not even a discussion, but here's a question. What do you think about this? What do you think about this question on the screen? Well, Kawhi retires the greatest player not to win MVP. Nah. Because I don't think people view him as like an all-time great. I think people look at him as a, a cog in the San Antonio run and then the ultimate mercenary in the Toronto Raptors championship run. And then he's just been your run-of-the-mill really good basketball player ever since that championship run with a, with the history injury. You might be one of the best what ifs. So I'll give you that. He'll be like he'll he'll be like the he'll be like a greater what if he had stay healthy kind of player because we have the two championship runs and the obviously you have the, the game six free throw misses where San Antonio could have won that championship as well. So theoretically, maybe he's sitting on three rings even with the injury. So it was like, can you imagine if he didn't get injured or if he didn't have, you know, that would be the conversation. I don't think it would be the whole 
greatest not to win MVP because so many guys like once Steve Kurt, Steve Nash won those two back to back MVPs is kind of like, and then they started essentially not voting for certain players because it was some stretches where Jordan should have won MVP four, five, six years in a row. So, and we, so, so know, we know that's voter fatigue. So like, I don't think the I don't think the MVP, the regular season MVP is going to uh, be that big of a feather in the cap and, and play a so legacy. Off, so off the top forward. of your head, off the top of your head, who would you say is the greatest player that didn't win an MVP? Obviously, I'm we can trying. go back and look at lists later, but just off the top I'm of your head. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I don't know if Isaiah ever won an MVP. I don't think he's ever won one. Uh, I imagine Wilt probably. I've got did. one for you, Resident. I don't know. Did Wilt, did, I don't, did Wilt ever win one? Because I think sure, he kept losing. Sure no. MVP. I, that's what I'm saying. I remember looking, and he averaged 50 points one year, and Bill Russell was MVP. I'm sure so think, he won multiple MVPs. Look that. Just check it out because I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah. I'm. Yeah, he won it four times. Okay, I was like, yeah, right. I thought he won it three, but yeah. I remember um, so when, I remember I when he, he ended 50, 50 points a game, and Bill Russell's won MVP. So it's like, so so I know y'all are going to disagree with me because I know the MVP is about uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the MVP is usually about numbers. So like, generally, your MVPs besides Bill Russell are going to average a lot of points. So this person I'm about to say didn't average a lot of points. Chris Paul. No, but he affected. Uh, that's a good guess, though. That's a good guess because, you know, I wanted him to win the MVP when he was in OKC. Ago. Yeah. A couple years no, ago. Yeah. My answer is Jason Kidd. No one MVP. Never won an MVP. I'm going with Jason Kidd. Uh, CP3, like I said, I, I thought he should have won the MVP in OKC. I actually thought you know, 2-5 moment. I actually thought he should have won Kobe's MVP and that Kobe should have won MVP some other years, namely the Steve Nash year for the one. Steve Nash year, yeah. You Shaq know what I mean? feels like he should have won both. Shaq should have got one and Kobe should have got the other in the Steve Nash years. I felt Chris Paul should have won the Kobe MVP, but they gave it to Kobe as a, like a, hey, we know we screwed you or like, you're always going to average a lot of points, so nobody will blink if we give you the MVP. And that's what I'm saying. So if we start, if we think about, because the 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 internet's kind of been ingratiated into our conversation. So since then, so we, if we're going to go, I'm going to use post internet era, the PIE pie. Uh, if we go. Steve Nash until last season. Uh-huh. We can research, we have all the information. We've had these conversations year in and year out. And we can keep going back and say, this person got the MVP because right. they didn't want to give it to Giannis a third time in a row. MVP got the MVP because they didn't get want to give it to Yoko Susan. Yeah, I think D Wade with uh... the Miami, the, the second year like the the LeBron Miami years, he probably he probably could have won it all four of those years, but because he went to Miami, he had the super team, 
is like they stopped giving it to guys who went to that. So when Kevin Durant went to OKC, went from OKC to Golden State those two years that he won finals MVP, he probably could have got some votes. But the wow. narrative was, oh, you're on a team with better, with really, really good players. Right. So right. that takes votes away. I don't know if that really does. I just think that comp, that narrative started post-2007 because you're that, on teams. So you I lose think that votes. I would like Wade. Uh, I thought Wade had a chance and argument for LeBron's 2009 MVP just because of the team that he dragged to the playoffs, you know, and he was averaging 31 that year. Uh, but to answer your question, Residente, like, yeah, if you, if we, if we go with the, if, if we're, if we're talking about finals MVP, then, then he probably could be the best player to not win a finals MVP. Um, Who's that? I forgot. I didn't see the name. Uh, Kawhi. Okay. Still talking about Kawhi. Oh, Kawhi. Um, if you view Kawhi in that way, because I know Jerry West went one and nine in the finals, you know, he got um, one when he lost or one and eight. He went one and eight. Um, and then but he, got, but he got finals MVP one year that he lost. He still was like, so, MVP. so I think that for as far as Jason Kidd goes, the impact on the game, you know, he took the Nets to back to back finals in the early 2000s. You know, I just think his impact on the game was a little bit more than Kawhi's, even though Kawhi obviously has like the better scoring numbers and was the better defender. Um, but Reggie one, Miller, but Reggie Miller played in the George era. But but one thing I was going to bring up before we get out of here is, um, and it was a question that we kind of asked in the pre-meeting, um, is Kevin Durant blacklisted from the MVP? I mean, yes. he's averaging 28 this year, shooting 42% from three. You know, because uh, the Phoenix's last record is better than Dallas. Seasons, the last eight seasons, he's had two All-Stars. Mm -hmm. When the season starts in October, everyone healthy, tip off October, November, he's on the court and 60% of his lineup, the starting lineup are All-Stars. So ever since he made that move to Golden State, yeah, that yeah, I don't, I, think, I don't, yeah, I think he took himself out of consideration. And and you know, back to Jason Kidd real quick. Jason Kidd is like the guard version of Jokic. You know what I mean? Like he, that's the way that he impacts the game, like in every category, every way. And Jason Kidd actually played good defense too. Um, you know, so, huh. I was thinking just now, you know, um, would it be out of bounds with the conversation that we're having right now? I'm listening. Would it be out of bounds to say that Kawhi will finish as a higher ranked all time player than Dwayne Wade? No. I don't think so. I don't think so, be mainly because Dwayne Wade never left the 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 media light. Like, so he's still in the media every day. We're talking about him. He's on TV. Uh, we see him all the time. And then if you look at what he did on the court, Kawhi had the one run. Like I said, he had the one run in Toronto. Like, I know I don't want I don't want to, like, besmirch uh, Kawhi's career or anything like that. I've been using that word a lot. But realistically, he hasn't done that much outside of those two finals runs 
the San Antonio <laughs> and the Toronto run. Yo, that's a wild ass statement. <laughs> like you sound like you're talking about Eli right now. You know, what I'm saying? like outside Who of those two final runs. <laughs> that's I mean, but keep like let's let's keep it a beat. If they call that travel, if they call the travel that he did. That game goes to overtime against Philly. You never know what happens. Game seven. <laughs> I just I never felt like a Kawhi led team in when the season started was like because Kawhi's on the team, they we anyone expects them to be in the conference finals. Well, sadly, well, sadly, we'll never know because they got to the conference finals and Zaja Pachulia took out Kawhi's foot while they were up 25 on the Warriors in Oracle. I don't know if that was the conference finals, though. I don't think that, that I think was that the was conference finals. I don't think so. No, nah, I don't oh, think so. That had to be the conference finals. No, nah, it was like the second round. Let's see. Yeah, I don't think it was. I don't think it was that, but even with that, it's like that was before. No, I don't think so. Because that was before Kawhi was even the Kawhi that he wasn't. Because I know that year the Warriors won 65 games. And then the Spurs were on there. Yeah, it was the Western Conference Finals. Um, The the, the Spurs were at like 57 wins. So uh, that was the 2015 Finals no, were they 2016? No, 2015. It was 2017. Finals. With with KD. Hold on, let me look at this. Yeah, that Kawhi's not being KD, Clay, Steph, and Draymond. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think Kawhi, Kawhi has has had a good career, but it's been just kind of inflated because of the the champ the the San Antonio championship and then the run with Toronto win. LeBron went to the West. Other and than that, like the Warriors got hurt, and the Warriors got hurt. Like that, that was it. Like that's that was the that was the end of, and we no one expected so no one expected them to make it that far. And every since then, there's been an expect expectation for a Kawhi Leonard led team to make it to the finals, and him on the court hasn't been close. So what if? Kawhi leads the Clippers to a championship this year and joins LeBron in the three different the three teams championship. Teams. What about that? I think just that conversation will sound good, but when you really break it down, is like I said, you have three, four, five year gaps of like literally mediocre outcomes and then one flash in the pan. Well, I mean, that was Wade's career until LeBron showed up. Well, he had the he had the chip, but he didn't. It wasn't as if it was a whole lot of first round exits. It was a lot, yeah. It was a lot, tons of first round exits. It was pretty bad team, but like you said, like you said in two thousand nine, you had him in MVP running because he dragged the team to the to the finals. When did Kawhi drag a team to the playoffs and just happen to get exited in the first round? He hasn't dragged a single team. He's been on nothing but really, really good teams, and he's giving I mean, you very the output versus the teams. The teams that he's know, been on and the output. Dragged is, I don't know if dragged is the right word. He hasn't been on a team you had to drag. Toronto. He didn't have. They were first. They were number one seed, two, three, one or two seeds, like three or four years prior to him getting there. But see, but see, this and they is traded Demar. The they traded see, one guy. I'll be talking about if if if, if other players. 
No, 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 Mike. No, I'm not talking about him. I'm not talking about him. No, don't do it. I'm not talking about him. No, 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 no. I'm talking about Kawhi Leonard. He went to the San Antonio Spurs that were already a dynasty. They made two finals rounds. No, I was talking about Toronto. I was talking about Toronto. Then he went to Toronto. They traded DeMar DeRozan. They kept everybody else, and they were a one and two seed with the other team without Kawhi. They trade one guy who is pretty much the equivalent of Kawhi. They go into the playoffs, and then the Western Conference team that they face in the finals, their two best players so toward ligament. You're saying that if LeBron was in the East, Toronto would have had the same outcome. <laughs> well, I mean, all it, like I'm, I'm not even saying that. I'm not even saying that. But I mean, history that that recent history showed that he was knocking them out the playoffs every year. I'm just talking about as far as like what Kawhi did. I think people just because he doesn't talk a lot and he doesn't like brag about himself, then people feel like his accomplishments are greater. But when you really look at it. It's not – he hasn't really done that much. But he's a fun but guy. The, he, he he has a great laugh. It's very entertaining. I'm not trying to knock Kawhi. I'm just saying that if you put – if you trade DeMar DeRozan for KD and you put KD on that Toronto team, like if he wasn't – they, I think they go just as far. And if the best team out west loses their best two players and you still have – Durant and a team that was the number one and two seed for three years in a row. Hell, they fired their coach after he won coach of the year. Mm-hmm. So I, I never, I just don't, I don't see, I don't have the information of a Kawhi team that was you know, mediocre that he elevated going to back, a lengthy it, uh, playoff run. Going back to our conversation last week, real quick, or, you know, uh, why didn't, Scottie Pippen win the MVP the year the Bulls won 55 games and he led them in every category. I can't, without knowing who won it, I can't really. Somebody else must have had a great year that year. Was it Elijah one? Let's see. You know, because I was thinking about that like uh, the other day, like when we were talking about the Bulls, um, you know, like I, I just, I mean, he, he didn't have the numbers. Like I think he averaged like 22 points. Yeah, it was Olajuwon that year. Yeah. Uh, you know, but but Pippen only averaged 22 points. And I don't think back then the war, there's, the war there's a Steve Nash. There, there, I don't think there's a Steve Nash winning the MVP back then. When you had people like Jordan in the league, Barkley, you know, averaging 27 points or more usually. So, like, I don't think that this guy coming in with 16 the points stars, the MVP. Like, Gilbert Arenas talks about this a lot. Um, he, he talked about Grand Hill. But Gilbert has, like, a, it, he, he has, like, a slant towards, like, how much better the current players are than the 90s players. But we talked about this before. When Jordan came in the league, it was him – Dominique and Clyde Drexler that were the the few guys that were that size with that speed, jumping, shooting, scoring ability above the rim, 18 to 22 feet out. Like it was a, only a few guys that were playing like that. You know, we talked about the guys like I, was, I saw a highlight today of uh, it was Knicks versus Magic and it was Shaq versus Ewan. And every possession is either Anthony Mason or Charles Oakley just, like, in the paint. Like, 
not getting the ball just like just in the way, like just literally him and whoever was guarding. Just both of them just taking up space. Neither one of them were doing anything. So it's just like it's just like it's a different era of basketball. So in that era, those guys, what they were doing was new. The 27.7 rebounds, six assist guy, the six six guy that was doing that, the six seven guy, Charles Barkley being the power forward out in Phoenix doing it. So like it just it was very different to see them scoring at that clip because it was I think it was new now seeing a guy like Luca averaging 34 and a half is like yeah in 1996 he's the MVP but now the way the game is played the fact that the ball's in his hand the whole time you know he's in his hand he shoots a lot of shots he pretty much has a complete green light the whole game yeah. so that's the context is associated with it with his 34 points whereas back then yeah you could be Isaiah Thomas and have 18 points, nine assists, and, and seven rebounds, and really control the championship caliber Detroit Pistons team. But Jordan's averaging 32.2 points a game. And it's like he's doing something that no one's ever seen at right. this rate for his size. So, and he's popular, the team's winning games. So that's that's the value. It's just it's all a matter of like how you what you equate to the value. Yeah, value and, and that's not trying to like, sell okay, Chris Paul. You were like, yo, his value was like he took a team that wanted to tank to the playoffs. And and, and that's how you know it is when I talk to people because <laughs> you know I might ask, what is an MVP to you? And they give me these cliches or they give me, you know, they got to do this, they got to do this, and I'm like, but what if there's four people doing that? You know what I mean? How do you decipher or, the, or you know, how do you pick it apart to pick one of them? And then they were like, well, what do you think is an MVP? And I said, I can't tell you what I think an MVP is. I just watched the season unfold. And then I tell you what an MVP is for you know, that you, year. You know, you know it when you see it. Yeah, for I, that year. I, for me, I take the V out and put the O in. So to me, it's I with the voting anyway, it's most outstanding player. Yeah, and you and could, and you could and, argue, and then, and and you could argue and that's that, Luka. And that allows you to break down to get rid of the the value piece and you say, okay, who's having the great season? And great season is whose teams win a lot of games and who's scoring a lot of points on that team. Not right. necessarily Tatum at twenty seven points with their forty six wins, but like say Luca right now, 34 and a half points, but Dallas had 41 wins. I think right now they're they're 34 wins. So his 34 points and yeah, if they were 41 wins. 40, if they were 41 wins, he 40, would probably be the leader. Yeah, he'd be the leader. But like so he has a lot of points. His team would have a lot of wins. So his performance is outstanding, but it doesn't really lead to wins. So like right. you spook to the side. So the value. Value value is like you can say, you know, how come a, a guy is defensive player of the year? That's value on a team. You know, AD, if he's averaging 22 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, but three blocks, and LeBron's averaging 27, 7, and 7 than normal. Well, the value piece is AD because he's taking up the slack of where LeBron doesn't do defensively. But if you don't look at it that way, you simply look at the 27, 7, and 7. 
and the Lakers are 52 and 30 at the end of the year, it's going to be like, oh, LeBron is the best player. Which is which is crazy because, you know, like even with all that, LeBron's probably playing some of the best defense he's played in the last five years right now. So, you know, uh, and and, and I know Cups always likes to talk about Luka is like the number two post defender in the league, you know. um, But he's never in the post. You know, so those like uh, those advanced stats are they get you a little dangerous sometimes. But you defend you defend four post shots all game, and the guy goes one for four. It's you're giving up twenty five percent to the guy in the post. He's only shooting twenty five percent. Like yeah, he's only <laughs> shooting the fucking four shots, and the guy that's rotating to him is a, the eighth dude off the bench. <laughs> it's not like he's it's not like he's you know getting backed down by ad eight times a game and ad is going two for eight yeah so yeah um but yeah that's where i am right now i got sga you know i reserve the right to change my mind later as the facts change so does my you know, opinion as the, yep as the facts change but for right now i'm going with um sga um i got tatum fifth right now uh, just because I do value, I, I don't think it should be the reason you win the MVP, but you have to look at the dominance that the Celtics have had this year. You know, you have to value that, you know, um, but I just don't he value needs, it. He needs you know. Luka numbers for us to ignore the fact that he has Drew Holiday, Przingis, and Jalen Brown on his team. Right. Like he and needs then, AI 31 and a half. He needs 31 and a half, eight and six. That's well, especially when I see Donovan Mitchell doing the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's kind of hard to say Tatum is a top two or three MVP. Like if I'm the media, yeah. that, that Tatum is a top two or three MVP candidate and Mitchell ain't even in the conversation. Yeah, and it sounds like we have different criteria for different players, which slightly you do because of the context and, and the dynamics of the team. Well, I mean, players play differently. Because, like, so Anthony, like, so Rich, AD, Anthony, so Anthony Edwards should be getting if, if AD was only averaging eight rebounds, you probably wouldn't have him in your MVP conversation, even if he was averaging 31, because we've seen him average 15 rebounds before. You know, um, you know, if Tatum was out here 23, 8, and 8, we probably still wouldn't think he's MVP because we've seen nah, him he, average thirty points for a season. He, he, but he needs he needs thirty because of, like I said, his team. His yeah, team don't forget so Derek White. His team is so good that he has to be the most outstanding player on an outstanding. He team. has to look like Giannis to some degree, not not play like Giannis, yeah, but it has to feel like that. You have to, it has to look like uh, the other team has to s- defensively s- like set their scheme up to stop you, and you're still getting 30 points, right? And I don't think that <coughs> you know, because their team is so good, he can pass the ball around and get an open shot and get 26 to 27 points, right? He can get to the free throw line, he can do all the things within the, the confines of the team, right? Whereas Giannis. Or even Jokic kind of controlling everything, and then going on a run where he gets eight points in a row when you put a defender in and it can't guard him in the paint. Right. Like when Miami had to take Bam out of Bayou out and they put the boy um, Zeller in, yeah, he would go get eight points. Boom, 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 boom. And so Bam coming off the bench barely rested, he's like, okay, I'm gonna go at him again. So he'll go from 
you know, 6.6 rebounds and eight assists. And then all of a sudden now he's at 22 points. That's why Jimmy Butler makes me mad because Jimmy Butler could be MVP if he wanted to. He could be in the conversation, but I think he he might realize like, yo, it's all for not because I didn't start out preseason top six. Yeah, so we'll see. Denver's still beating on him by 13 right now. So, like, Miami hasn't solved the uh, – you know, they won't solve it until they get some 6'9", 6'10 players, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Better go get their own Serbian. Um, right now, you got the Lakers down by three to your Wizards. Yes, sir. 10.57 left in the third. I'm going to have to throw that on here in a second. But we going to get up sloppy. out of here, folks. The Lakers look sloppy because I yeah. guess they playing down at their opponent, that whole narrative. Yeah. So he is Mr. Logical, ladies and gentlemen. I am 2-5. Hope you enjoyed the show. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Tell Granny we said, hey. Hit the bell on YouTube. Hit the bell on YouTube so you know when it's happening. The magic, the madness is here. March Madness Conference Tournament start next week. So, you know, be on the lookout for March Madness picks. Be on the lookout for baseball previews. Be on the lookout for NBA playoff previews and another uh, MVP conversation before we wrap this thing up fully. Be on the lookout when fans storm the floor. Yeah, look out. On that note, we love you, America. We will see you Monday. Peace.